Hey, y'all, thank you so much for tuning into this message. We hope that it speaks to your life. And if you have questions, please contact us. You can contact us on the website, thousandhillsranchchurch.com or thousandhillsranchchurch at yahoo.com. And then you can also call us at 580-216-6427. And may God use this message to change your life. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today. I know it was kind of snowy, and, and some of you guys could have stayed home, so I appreciate you being here. Um, well, I want to thank God because uh, He always provides, and uh, even when we feel like He's not providing, He still provides, amen? Because He's always in control. He's always doing things that we, we can't see and we can't, uh, you know, we don't understand. And, and so I, I'm just glad um, that I know God, and I'm glad that He's a part of, part of my life. I mean, I have so much to be thankful for. I, you know, I, every time I look at my kids, I, I, I thank God. I, I thank God that I have healthy kids and kids that, um, you know, that, that, you know, although they get in trouble, they're not perfect, they, they still, uh, still are my kids. And so I, I just thank God for them. Um, I thank God for a godly wife um, that loves Jesus more than, than uh, she loves me. And I appreciate that about her. She challenges me. She helps me um, in my walk with Christ. And uh, so I just thank God for those things. And, and one of the things that I think we can do sometimes is when we, um, when we talk about issues like what we're talking about here um, today and, for the, and last week, we talk about the, the pits of life and uh, the pits that we go through, the, 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 the things that, that kind of drag us down and, and get us down. And I think sometimes, if not every time, it tends to want to suck the life and the joy out of our lives. And one of the greatest things that I believe that we can do as Christians is show people that our joy is not found in the circumstances of our life, but it's found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, listen, if you're in a pit, and I know many of you guys are in pits, um, and I know that we face pits almost every day, but listen, the, one of the greatest things that you can do in the pit when you're going through a hard time is give praise to God. I want to give you an example of that. I, you know, I, I go to hospitals quite a bit, and um, a couple of our friends uh, are actually in the hospital. Uh, Linda Lyons, many of you guys know Linda. She um, is a great woman, and, and Alan, her husband. And, and I talked to them, and I went down and saw them, and we're probably going to go down today to... Um, to see them again, but it's just amazing to me when someone's maybe, you know, facing death, how amazing it is to see someone, a husband that's not facing death, but his wife is, you know, maybe, you know, not doing real well, how hopeful they are, and how joyful, and in the midst of the tears, they can look to God and go, God's still in control. I don't know about you, but that's a testimony to me, because I have a good life, my kids are healthy. My wife is healthy. And it could change just like that. And so I challenge you, if you're in a pit, if you, you, you go into a pit, if you can just pray and say, God, give me the, the right spirit to face this pit, he will. He will. And, and the truth is, we love the peaks, don't we? I mean, I love the top of the mountain. I mean, I love spending time at the top of the mountain, but I hate spending time in the pit. Anybody with me? Can I get a witness? Yes, we, we don't like the pits, but we love the peaks. But here's the truth. We cannot live in the clouds, can we? We can't live in the clouds. We have to face these pits, again, with, with, the, with God's help 
Um, we looked at uh, how to get out of the pit and stay out of the pits of life last week. Uh, and, and the first thing that we learned is we have to admit that we're in a pit. And it's the first step. I mean, so many people, they're like, ah, I'm not in a pit. I'm not bitter. I'm not selfish. I'm not living in sin. That's not sin. I mean, that's, that's just, uh, God doesn't care about that. I'm not in a pit. And the first thing that we have to realize is we have to admit that we're even in a pit so that we can get out of it. And so many people have been in a pit for so long that they don't even realize they're in a pit. And again, it's up to, up to the Lord and up to us to show them how they can get out of that pit. The number two was this. We should never be content in the pit. God's destiny, God's you know, purpose, God's will for our lives is not to be in a pit for the rest of our lives. So many people walk through life and they go, man, I'm just, I, this is just the hand that God dealt me. I mean, this is just the lot that I got to live in. And God is, you know, going to punish me for the rest of my life. No, he's not. Do you face consequences for your sin? Absolutely. Are some of those a lifelong consequence? Yes. But you can be delivered from the pit and walk with the Lord even after the pit. And so don't ever be content in the pit and go, oh, I'm just going to settle for the pit. That's not God's will. God wants you to get out of the pits in your life. Well, I love horses. Anybody love horses? Can I get a few witnesses? Yes, I love horses. Um, and I'll give you a few reasons. Well, I'll give you one reason why. One of the reasons why I love horses is because they will do their best to keep you out of a pit. Anybody ever been there? I mean, I, I've been there a few times where I, I, I rode up and I was riding my horse one time and there was one string of barbed wire. And it was just, I mean, you, I couldn't see it, but my horse saw it. And he stopped and he kept me out of the pit. There's uh, been a few more times where uh, I think Jason Nell, he may be here today. We were riding up at the uh, Gloss Mountain and, and, and there was these trenches. And I don't know, I guess the water just washed them out. And it was tall grass, so I, didn't, I couldn't see the trench. But my horse could see the trench. And he kept me out of the pit. I about fell off when he jumped the pit. But uh, he kept me out of the pit. Well, here's another thing. I think horses, they know when there's a pit. And, and especially when it comes to water. Have you ever been on your horse and, and you know that this horse just kind of has an idea that that water is really deep. And he doesn't really want to go into it. Or he knows that it's going to be boggy and he might get bogged down. Well, I have a friend. His name's Jason Taylor. And he's the pastor of Bar None Cowboy Church in Tyler, Texas. And I, I always turn to him for a good illustration because he gets into lots of wrecks on his horse. I'm like, I need a good story about a wreck. I'll call Jason. And, and, and needless to say, I called him. I said, dude, I need a story about a pit. And he said, okay, I'll give you a story. Well, one day uh, he had a yearling or two or three or four. They got out. Well, he gets on his horse. He ties on. He ties onto the saddle horn, and he, he begins to chase this yearling. Well, it ends up that this yearling runs to this creek and runs in the creek and up the other side and, and trying to get away from him. Well, here's Jason on his horse, got his loop. I mean, he's chasing full blast, wide open. I mean, he's chasing this yearling, and his horse, when they get to the creek, wants to slow up and wants to even stop and say, okay, let's not do this. But, but what does Jason do? He gigs him, spurs him, says, come on, you know, and he's like, come on. And he's just chasing this sucker. Well, it ends up that they go down into this creek, and, and as they're coming up the other side, they run through the water, and as they're coming up the other side, his horse slips and lays over. 
and falls over. Well, Jason, or, or, um, yeah, Jason, he gets clear of the horse, but he falls into the creek. And so he's laying underwater in the creek. And guess what? He was tied on and he, and he realizes that the rope that he had in his hand is now wrapped around him. So he's underwater with the rope wrapped around him. And I, he told me, he said, Bo, I remember thinking, if this horse gets out at any speed and goes up the bank, he's going to drag me to death. Well, it ends up that this horse did get up, and he got up, and he walked up the bank, and he slowly got out of the bank and out of the water, and he stopped, essentially pulling Jason out of the water. Now, here's the point. This horse didn't want to go into the creek. He knew it was a pit. He knew it was going to be a wreck. And he tried to stop Jason, but Jason kept spurring him. And Jason pushed his horse into the pit, and even though the, the horse was trying to stop it. Listen, a lot of times that is the same way we do in our lives. And God is the same way. We can hear the Holy Spirit going, stop, slow down, don't go there, get out of here. But we just keep spurring. Come on. I mean, we're just whipping and riding. Come on. I mean, let's get it. And I'm the worst. I told Jason on the phone, I said, Jason, we never need to ride together. You know why? Because we're both going to be in a pit. Because I'm going to chase you right down in it trying to get to the yearling before you do. And I said, that's stupid. I need to never ride with you because we're going to both be in a bind. Um, And so, but God is the same way. Again, the Holy Spirit, sometimes in your lives, he, he, he says, slow down, stop, don't go there, stop doing this. But we just keep going, and we bail off into the pit, and we find ourselves in a pit, all tangled up in a wrong choice, or in, a, in the rope of sin. But here's the cool thing about God. The same God who gives us a choice to obey Him is the God who, like that good horse, can pull us out of the pit. Amen? Can I get some excitement in here? Let's go. Come on now. Do I need to get a little closer to you guys? No sleeping today. The preacher's getting close. Here's the thing. Uh, today I want to talk to you about a character in the Bible um, that, uh, that loved to get in pits. I mean, this character, he, he slipped in pits, he, he was thrown in pits, and he jumped in pits. But here's the thing. The character's name is David. Anybody ever heard of David in the Bible? Yeah, King David. I mean, and, and, and I want to talk to you particularly about a, a pit that David jumped into himself. And it was a pit of sin. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, and it's not going to be on the screen. The story's way too long. I'm going to paraphrase it. But, but here's the thing. David jumped into the pit of sin with Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Now, I hope your name's not Bathsheba. Because he kind of got a bad reputation. Actually, it probably wasn't even her fault. It was his fault, right? David's fault. But here's the thing. David gets into this pit, and it, guess what? He just keeps digging. Let me explain. David was the king of Israel. He was the king, okay? And here's the thing. His army was out to war. And guess what the king was supposed to do when his army went out to war? Accompany him. He was supposed to go with him. But instead, David stays home for some reason instead of going to war. That's the first part of leaping into the pit of sin. David's at home. He's on his rooftop, and 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 he finds this woman bathing in a creek or wherever she was bathing. And he sends his servants, and he says, go get her. He says, I want her. 
And they bring him to the palace, and David sleeps with Bathsheba. Well, here's the, and, and again, David just keeps on digging. Here's, here's the thing. David realizes that Bathsheba was married. So what does David do? He finds Bathsheba's husband, which was named Uriah, and he goes to, he goes to his servants and he says, go get Uriah. Well, guess where Uriah was? He was fighting the war. He was one of David's soldiers. And so they send for Uriah, and David's idea is this. He says, hey, if I can just get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba, then the baby might be, you know, they might think the baby is Uriah's baby instead of my baby. So he sends Uriah, he says, hey, Uriah, man, go have a good time with your wife. You know, I'm, I'm giving you a, a leave of, uh, of absence, and you can just go have a good time with your wife, sleep with your wife. And here's the thing about Uriah, he was an upstanding human being. And what does he say? He says, hey, I'm not going to sleep with my wife. All my brothers are out there fighting, and I'm not going to sleep with my wife as long as they're on the front lines fighting. So David's like, dang it. Can't even make a lie a worse lie, you know? I mean, he, he's, he's just trying hard. And there's the next step. Here's what David does next. Guess what he does? He, he takes Uriah, and he goes, hey, just okay. You're not going to sleep with her. You know, you're not going to go stay with your wife. Come in here with me. Brings him into the palace, and guess what he does? He gets Uriah drunk. He says, if I could just get Uriah drunk, then maybe he'll go home and sleep with his wife. And that's what he does. He, he, takes, he takes Uriah into his palace. He says, you know, drink up, buddy, drink up, in hopes that he would go and sleep with his wife. What does Uriah do? He says, no. He says, I'm not going to go sleep with her. I'm going to sleep outside the palace by all the other servants that are in here. And so here's the thing. David just keeps on digging. <laughs> He's already in this hole, and he just keeps on digging. Here, here's the next thing that David does. David writes a letter to the officer that was over Uriah, and he sends this letter with who? Uriah. Here's what he does. He, goes, he, he's, he writes a letter saying to Joab, which is the officer, he says, Joab, put Uriah on the front line so that he'll be killed. So Uriah takes the letter to Joab and takes his death letter to Joab and, and Joab puts him on the front line and Uriah dies. David just keeps on digging. Uriah's dead, so what, is, what does David do? David lets Bathsheba mourn for a few days and then he says, Bathsheba, come on, I want you to be my wife. Takes him in. Keeps on digging. Well, it ends up that David and, and Bathsheba have the child, but the child dies. Because the Lord struck it with a disease. And so, again, David, it, it just keeps on digging. I mean, you talk about a sin, a pit that is full of sin. This was the pit of sin. And some of you here today, you may be thinking, well, that sounds a whole lot like my life. I make one mistake, and then I just keep on digging. I just keep on digging. Uh, one lie after another, one wrong choice after another, one sin after another, and I'm in a pit, and I just keep digging and digging and digging. And you're asking the question today, and, and can I just say this? Some of you guys are here today for the first time in a long time. It's the first time you've been to church in a long time. And can I just tell you, God has you, to, has you here today to hear this message. He does. You say, well, I don't know why I'm here. He, he wants to talk to you. You say, how do I get out of the pit of sin that I'm living in? Well, miraculously, David, the adulterer, the murderer, the liar, knows the answer. Look at Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. 
This is David talking, and listen to what he says. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Listen, David, the king of the pit of sin, gives us the answers to how to get out of the pit of sin. And can I just say this? David knew God. He was a believer. He knew God with his heart. I mean, he had trusted him. He was a follower of God, but he wasn't perfect, right? I mean, God even called him a man after his own heart. You know why he called him that? Not because he was perfect, but because he knew to turn to him and repent of his sin. That's what David was good at. And so you say, well, okay, Bo, how do I get out of the pit that I'm in, the pit of sin? You do what David did. Number one, David was patient. David was patient. He waited, he waited patiently. Did you hear that? It says in Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. How many of you guys have ever heard this? When you, if you ever get in quicksand, what are you supposed to do? Hold still. You're supposed to be still. I mean, you're supposed to not move because the more that you move, what? The more that you sink. Well, the same is true. Here's the thing. Our tendency is when we get into a pit and we, we get ourselves into this pit, we want to fight on our own strength. Oh, get me out of here. Let me out. I'm just trying to dig. In my, I'm trying to get out. And we try to do things our way. We get busy and we try to get out of this pit in our own strength. And, and here's the thing. We've got to learn that we've got to be patient and wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we will wait on the Lord in the midst of our pit, guess what? He will show up. But we've got to wait for Him. Some of you guys are like, oh, okay, so I get in the pit. All i got to do is just sit there and wait. Yes and no. A lot of times, some people get lazy and they're like, God's going to do everything for me. I don't have to do squat. I don't have to reconcile with my wife. I mean, God's going to make that happen. I don't have to reconcile with my boss. I don't have to get over that. I mean, I, God's going to do it all. I mean, he's just going to take care of everything. No, no. God, he will handle the situation. But here's the thing. When you wait on the Lord, you need to be waiting for the answer. And when he gives you the answer on what you're supposed to do, you need to act. It's like sitting in your pit and God goes, hey, kill me. He throws you a rope and you go, nah, nah, I'm waiting on God. He throws you, he gets you a helicopter and he just drops it down. No, 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 I'm waiting on God. No, listen, when God provides a way out, we got to act. We got to move. We got to go. We got to obey. I don't know about you, but am I the only one who has problems waiting on the Lord? I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm like, Lord, come on now. It's about that time. <laughs> this pit's been, you know, 30 seconds. <laughs> and we, we, we get so impatient. But here's the thing. How do we get out of the pits of life? We've got to wait on the Lord. Number two is this. And David shows us this, this, this second thing. Number two, David cried out to the Lord. 
He cried out to the Lord. It says in Psalm 40, verses 1, uh, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. What, you, you, do you see that last part? He turned to me and he heard my what? My cry. You know, you say, well, what does it mean to cry out to the Lord? Well, if you're like me, it's hard sometimes to cry. Anybody unemotional, like you just, you can, you, I mean, stuff happens right before you, and you're like, oh, okay, whatever. Anybody like that? Maybe it's because you grew up with two brothers like me, and they beat the snot out of you, and so you've seen it all. I mean, you, you've, you've experienced it all, and therefore stuff doesn't really bother you because your brothers kick the emotion out of you. Anybody like that? Any, maybe it was your sister. Maybe you got beat up by your sister. I wouldn't admit that. Keep your hands down, especially if you're a guy. No, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing, I, I think, I, you know, and my wife would probably, you know, she'd probably argue with you. I get emotional about things that are, uh, <laughs> that are sissy things, okay? I can watch a show, and I'm crying, and my wife's over there going, what's your problem? You know what I'm saying? I mean, she's the unemotional one in the, in the, the movies, but, but there are other things where she's really emotional about. How many of you guys are emotional freaks? Like, anything happens, you, you, you stub your, you know, rip your little bit off your fingernail, and it's like, <laughs> Anybody emotional freak? Don't be pointing. You're like, yeah, I mean, some of you guys are emotional freaks, but here's the thing. Crying out to God doesn't have to include just a bunch of emotion. Let me explain this. Crying out to God is something deeper than just tears. You ever notice somebody that wants to just be in tearful emotion, maybe in church, maybe in other events, they just get all emotional and they're like, hey, let's go get a Coke. And they're just over it like that. I mean, seriously, it's not about being an emotional wreck. That doesn't always get God's attention. You know what it is? It, it's something that, that you go deeper inside your soul and you call out to God from a place that is deep within your heart. And here's the thing. Sometimes, I, and here's the problem. Sometimes I think when we're in the pit and we cry out, we cry out from, for help from things that aren't God. And, and I'll give you an example. I mean, we look to ourselves, and we go, okay, I can do this. And we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, I'm going to do this. And, and we talk to ourselves, and we cry out to ourselves, and we think we can get out of our, our pit ourselves, and we just got to try harder. No. We got to cry out to God. Here's the other thing. Maybe you, you go, oh, man, I'm in this financial pit. I just got to work harder. I got to get more money. I gotta, money's going to solve this issue. Money's going to get me out of this pit. No. A lot of times, I mean, if you're lazy, yes, you need to get a job. But listen, a lot of times working harder isn't the answer. Making more money isn't the answer. You know what? A lot of times, I, I've, we've been in financial, you know, I mean, I, I say we've been financial. We, we've never really been in financial trouble. But we've been in situations where, you know, the finances weren't there. But here's the thing that I've learned about finances, and some of you guys may be in a financial trouble, and this isn't a, a I'm going to take my preacher cowboy hat off, and I'm just going to tell you from Bo Haig, the cowboy, why I believe I'm not in financial trouble. Here's why. Because I honor God with my money. You say, are you, you're pulling the preacher card. No, I'm not. I want you to listen to me. If I'll honor God with a percentage of the money that he gave me, he will honor me and make that 90% or whatever else that, you know, that I have left over go twice as far as the 100% ever would. 
I'm just, I'm just telling you. It's just an example. And you say, well, Bo's fishing for money. I don't need your money. This church doesn't need your money. And if you don't give, it's not going to bother me. I'm going to be taken care of because here's why. I give a little of my money to the Lord. So I know he's going to take care of me. So don't think, oh, the preacher's trying to get in our pockets. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you out of a financial pit. And if you will honor God with your finances, no matter where you give it, if you give it to the Lord, he will bless you. Will you get rich? I, I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> Maybe you do. I don't. You know? And that's why I go to God. Hey, God, I'm, I should be rich by now. I've given a lot of money. No, I'm just kidding. So, again, maybe, maybe you turn to money. Maybe you say, well, I just got to run from this situation. I mean, we get in a pit and we just say, oh, okay, I got to get out. I got to run. No, running's not the answer. Oh, I've got to call a friend. I got to get on Facebook and share with 10 million people my problem. <laughs> no, Facebook isn't going to solve your problem. Listen, here's what David did. David was in a pit of sin, and guess what? He cried out to God. And can I just tell you, crying out to God is a little bit more than crying out even in the pit. Here's what I've learned, and here's what I want to show you. When I get out of the pit that I'm in, I need to continue to cry out to the Lord in praise for getting me out of the pit. It's not just about, get me out of this pit, get me out of this pit, Lord, get me out of this pit, and then he gets you out of the pit, and you're like, all right, see ya. No, you know what it is? Get me out of this pit, Lord. I need to be saved from my sin. And then when you get out of the pit, you stay on your knees and you say, Praise God, He delivered me from the pit that I was just in. I give Him praise. I cry out to Him in worship because He's done so much for me. Yeah. I need to hear that. And you say, well, that's good preaching, Bo. That's good preaching. And it is good preaching. Praise the Lord. That's good stuff. I'm preaching to myself. That, that is good. But here's the thing. It's harder to, to do it. I mean, there's a pit around the corner in my life. And I, I hope that you pray for me that when I face those pits, not only do, will I cry out to the Lord in the pit, but when I get out. Pray for me. Pray for everybody. Pray for the friends that are sitting next to you. Listen, money won't fix your pit. I can't pull myself out of the pit, but David knew the answer. He cried out to God. Psalm 18 says this, 1 through 6. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, much like the rope on Jason. Coiled around me, and the snares of, the de of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. For his, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. You see what David did? He cried out to the Lord. He knew that he was to cry out to the Lord. And here's the thing. The pit of Bathsheba, the story of Bathsheba, wasn't the only pit that he ever got in. Remember the pit of Goliath? David and Goliath? I mean, God, he had to cry out to God. Oh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna call my army, God's army, a bad name? You're going you're gonna to say you can beat our army? And then he pulls out his, his slingshot with a rock and kills Goliath. It was a pit. I mean, King Saul, who should have been the king or, or was going to be the, 
David was going to take King Saul's place, and King Saul chased after David, trying to kill him. It was another pit. I mean, David faced many battles as king, and God delivered him from those pits. Listen, David made some wrong choices, but the greatest quality that David had was he cried out to God. He cried out to God. And here's the thing. Like David, we need to cry out to God. Our God is in the pit rescuing business. He desires for us not to cry out just in the pit, but when we get outside the pit. And here's the thing. I've heard people say this to me. Bo, now I cry out all the time. I, but I, why am I still in this pit? Why do I still have this feeling? Why, why do I still have this, this illness? Why am I always falling back into the pit? Why doesn't God deliver me from the pit? Well, here's the thing. Here's what I've learned. The truth is, a lot of times, God will not deliver us from our pit until we are delivered from our sin. Let me explain this. A lot of times we go, God, get me out of this situation. Get me out of this situation. And here's the cool thing about God. Even if you're not right with him, sometimes his grace is even big enough to get you out of it. I'm just telling you. Sometimes we don't deserve squat from God, and he still shows his grace and gets us out of the pit. But here's what happens a lot of times. A lot of times people come and they say, Bo, I just need to get out of this pit. I just need to get out of this pit. I I don't know why God keeps putting me in this pit. And here's my question. I say, well, what are you doing to get into it? Oh, well, uh, you know, I'm... uh, you know, I'm addicted to this drug and, and I, you know, or I, you know, I'm in this habitual sin and I just keep doing this and this and this. Now, here's the thing. If you desire to be delivered from your pit, you've got to be delivered from your sin. And so you say, well, how do I do that? And, and why does God act that way? Look at Psalm 18, verses 25 and 29. It says, to the faithful, and he's talking about God, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble and bring low, but bring low those who have eyes who are haughty. You know what I'm you know what that's saying? God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. He is, he is true to those who are, are true to him. But those who aren't, aren't true to him. And don't repent of their sin, but just continue to live in it. Guess what he does? He leaves them in the pit. He looks at him and he says, hey, bud. And he's looked at me like this. He said, hey, Bo, I want to get you out of that pit, but you got to confess your sin first. You got to allow me to forgive you of your, your sin before I'll get you out of this situation. A lot of people want to live in sin and still find God's deliverance. And they just don't go hand in hand. Hey, God, I'm living in this sin, but I want you to save me. I want you to get me out of this financial debt, even though I'm a habitual buyer, and I just spend thousands on credit cards, and I just do it over and over again. God, get me out of that pit. He's going, hey, confess that sin, cut the credit cards up, and then I'll deliver you from the pit. It's just what he does. He's faithful to those who are faithful to him. And so, again, we reap what we sow. If we sow sin, we're going to reap the consequences of sin. If we sow obedience, we're going to reap the consequences of obedience and the rewards of, the, of obedience. So here's the thing. Some of you are here today, and you need to cry out to the Lord, not to be delivered from your situation, 
but to be delivered from your sin. I want you to think about that. Sin always separates. It separates us from fellowship with God and hinders His intervention and blessing in our lives. And here, but here's the cool thing about God. If we will turn to Him, He will forgive us. I don't deserve it. I, I don't know about you, but you may not deserve it either. But here's the great thing about God. He says, he says in 1 John 1, 9, If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive you from all unrighteousness. He will forgive you if you ask Him to. You know what? The, the first thing that we have to do to find that relationship with God is we have to give our life to Jesus. You say, what does that mean, Bo, to give your life to Jesus? It means that you come to him and you say, I can't get out of the pit that I'm in in my life, and I give you my life. I give you my whole being. I give you my mind, my heart, my body. I give it all to you, and I want you to come into my life and save me. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, look at it. It says, come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. <coughs> and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what Jesus says? Come. He says, come. I know you got mud on you. I know you got poo on you. I know you got sin on you. I know you got all these things on you, but you don't have to clean it up yourself. You come to me filthy, and I will clean you up. And that's what he wants to do. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, okay, so if I give my life to Christ, if I wait patiently and I cry out for forgiveness, what will he do for me? Listen to the words. Psalm 40, verses 2 and 3. He will lift. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. And a hymn of praise to our God. Psalm 18, 16 through 19. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were strong, too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And then in Psalms 18, 28, and 29, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. With my God, I can scale the wall. I can get out of the pit. Now, here's the thing. Not only if you will give your life to Christ and you will wait patiently for him and you will cry out to him, will he deliver you from your pit? But here's the awesome thing about it. Listen, not only will he deliver you from your pit, but he will deliver others. I want you to listen to this and I'm done. Psalm 40, verse 3, at the very end of it, it says, Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You know what that's saying? It's saying, if I will wait patiently on the Lord when I'm in my pit, if I will cry out to the Lord when I'm in my pit, and he, when he delivers me, people will see it, and they will be delivered as well. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not only going to affect you, 
when you wait patiently on the Lord, and when you cry out to the Lord, but when people see, hey, you know what? Bo was in that pit, and he cried out to the Lord. He waited patiently for the Lord, and the Lord delivered him. And then they will see, and they will put their trust in God. So maybe you're in a pit today. And you need to cry out. You need to wait patiently. Instead of digging your way out, trying to get out yourself, you just need to wait on the Lord. And you say, okay, Lord, I'm waiting. Whatever you want to teach me in the pit, I want to learn. I don't want to get in the pit again, so I want to learn. So keep me here as long as you need me to here to teach me what I need to learn. I wait for you. And then I cry out. Say, God, you know, again, we cry out. Maybe we need forgiveness. We cry out for that. We cry out for that deliverance while we're in the pit. So, again, maybe you're here and you're in a pit right now. Here's my question. Have you given your life to Christ? Is he truly the savior of your life? Have you asked for forgiveness of the sin that you find yourself in? Are you waiting patiently for him to deliver you? And not looking to other things to get you out. Here's a question. When is the last time you cried out to God? I'm not talking about when's the last time you prayed. I'm talking about when's the last time you cried out from the depth of your soul. And said, God, I need you. God, I praise you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Some of you are here today, and you're like my friend Jason, and you're caught in the rope of sin. You're underwater, and you're drowning. My prayer for you is, is, is this, that the, the Holy Spirit, which is, is, is the guider of our lives, the counselor of our lives, the, the Holy Spirit, the, that the Holy Spirit would draw you to himself and show you what it is that you need to get out of your life so that you can get out of the pit. Maybe you're here today and you need, to, you need to just say, okay, Lord, I know I'm in a pit. I know you don't want me to remain in the pit. So help me to wait patiently while I'm here. Stop trying to look to other things in the world to get me out. I turn to you and I cry out to you. Maybe you just need to do that. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Christ into your life. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins and to rule your life, to be the Lord of your life. Listen, you can do that today. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So maybe you need to just confess, even at your seat right now. You need to say, okay, Lord, Here's the things that I know that I've sinned. I confess this, I confess that, I confess this. And I need you to come into my life. I need you to save me from my sin. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. Maybe you just need to do that right there in your chair. Just in your heart. God, God again, He can hear you. And he wants to save you. Listen, if you just prayed a prayer of, of confession for the first time, and you, you gave your life to Jesus, and you, you said, okay, I surrender everything. 
Listen, we want to know about it. We want to know so that we can walk alongside of you and fight falling into the pits, keep you out of the pit so that we can walk together, keeping each other out of the pit. And so here's what we do at Thousand Hills. We don't ask you to come to the front. We don't have an invitation when we ask you to come and we, we you know, show you in front of everybody. Here's all we ask you to do. Take an orange sheet on the guest table, fill it out, check which decision you made today and place it in the offering bucket and then God will take care of the rest. We will contact you. We will, we will pursue you. So just do that. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you need to cry out for forgiveness because you know you're living in sin even though you're a Christian. I want to encourage you to do that. Ask God to restore the fellowship that you once had and to forgive you of your sin. Maybe you're here today and and you're not in a pit, but you know somebody that is in a pit. And you need to pray for them daily that God would deliver them, that he would show them what he wants to show them while they're in the pit. So maybe you need to be diligent in praying for the person that is in the pit. Here's the thing. No matter where you're at in your life, God is there. And He loves you. Lord, I come to you and I thank you. I thank you for each person that's here today. I thank you for those that, that, that are unchurched, that have never heard the message of Christ, that have never heard the message of deliverance that they can find from the, the past that they have, the sin that they have. I thank you that you have delivered me and many of us in this room. And Lord, today, for that one or that two or those, those ten that, that maybe confessed their sin for the first time today and ask you to come into their life, I pray that they would not be ashamed of that, but that they would begin to walk in, in honor of you and what you've delivered them from. Lord, help us to spread this message, not only in this place, but outside these doors so that others can be delivered from their pit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks to us. And we give you all the glory. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this message. And if you have questions, please contact us. We would love to visit with you. Again, Thousand Hills Ranch Church at yahoo.com. Or you can contact us by phone, 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.